You're listening to the MLS Fantasy Insider, bringing you weekly tips, tricks, and advice for the official MLS Fantasy game. Hello and welcome to the MLS Fantasy Insider, our 2022 season review episode. That's right, we're finally here. Uh, This episode is brought to you by the MLS soccer team that worked so hard to provide us with a great game this year. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, I know maybe a few of you might listen to this, but even if not, thank you so much from all of us to everyone who helps make this game possible. Uh, Actually brought to you, uh, no, no, for real, that's actually brought to you by this week, but also uh, brought to you by the amazing Patreon supporters of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, who you guys have helped uh, just keep this thing going. And I hope to have updates about swag soon to everyone who has been so patient this year with all the, the crazy moving and, and work changes that have impacted my normal schedule for getting the swag out. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com. And tonight I'm joined by my partner in fantasy, Blaine Riffle. Ashley is out tonight, unfortunately, uh, dealing with a sick kiddo. So our thoughts go out with uh, to the Savage family. But we'd also like to welcome two very special guests with us tonight. Uh, we have MLS's very own fantasy game administrator, Skylar Redpath, and then our own Discord admin, Christian Ward, is with us. Uh, we're hope to be joined by one of our top patron supporters, Nathaniel Quants, a little bit later, who has been delayed tonight due to a work catastrophe. His words, not mine. So uh, with hope Nathaniel will be able to join us later in the show. But guys, thank you so much for, for being here tonight. How's everybody doing? I'm good. Terrific. Doing good. Thanks for asking. Starting uh, starting to get the shakes a little bit. It feels feels like forever since we've been able to set a fantasy team. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's a little bit of that. Uh, there's at least some of the uh, the bracket challenge that that's going on, but that's almost a set and forget sort of thing at by by this point. Uh, which I hope a lot of you had a busted bracket thanks to FC Cincinnati. Uh, I uh, I called that one. I, I figured that one was very very winnable, but um, I I did not have them going further than that. So. That was just a reality right there. Uh, But we're not here to talk about that bracket challenge, which is so ongoing. We're here to talk about our thoughts on the 2022 fantasy season. We're so, so happy to be able to have Skylar, who's with us, who, as we know, for the last, but two years now, been the the main administrator for, for the game. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been helping out with some backend stuff, um, helping with pricing, player positioning, which I know uh, several several of the guys over in the Discord chat have some things to say about that. But uh, it's not all it's not all my doing, whether I choose if somebody's a forward or a midfielder. So, um, but yeah, I help out on that end. Um, I do the, the weekly rankings. And so, yeah, just uh, try to help out where I can with the, with the gaming products. Um, I do some of the predict six guides for that side of the game. Um, so, yeah, happy to be here. I uh, always appreciate what you guys do on your end too. I mean, it's a, it's a team effort kind of thing. So well, thank you so much. He also does help get new players added. So for those of you who did have some comments to the feedback survey, which by the way, there is a feedback survey that I have for the fantasy insider, but also some general uh, MLS fantasy feedback that we do pass on to MLS after at the end of the season. Uh, for those of you who mentioned speed of which players are added, that is that is all Skyler. So he's a one man show with that. So I <laughs> so mean, throwing the tomatoes at me. I, no, I I think that should be you can't. Though. It's like it's one guy who's like part time yeah. helping out to do this. So yeah, well, yeah. kind of, kind of, kind of. Yeah, we can get into that. But yeah, it's it's there's a lot of uh, 
moving parts on the back end, so to speak. So, you know, I can suggest uh, a player being added and whether that happens or not, um, you know, with the urgency, there's kind of an urgency factor. Hey, it's, it's Gareth Bale. He's got to be in the game, but if it's like a, you know, third string, fourth string keeper or something like that. <laughs> Dude, you might, were killing he, my, you were killing my draft team this year, man. Oh man. Hey, it's, it's I mean, not I on was, me. Like I said, I was plumbing <laughs> the dregs of MLS. Okay. I yeah. just want you to know. Yeah. You caused I get me it. more than one panic attack. All uh, I get you, it. buddy. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's not all me, but yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take part of the blame. Well, let's start with just a very high overview. We'll get into some of the specific desires that we have. We'll get into just some of our general preview of top fantasy players and, and the main question around that. Uh, but let's just start with some of just our general overview questions. Skylar, if you want to give it from, I mean, your personal point of view and or your early administrator point of view with MLS or share any of the other back, back, not, we don't say back room. That's not what it is. Just the behind the <laughs> curtain background type of mechanics with us to help people understand. Uh, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, from a personal standpoint, the, the fantasy season in general was subpar for me. I'd say it was uh kind of like a Seattle Sounders style season as far as expectations go. Um, typically I'm pushing, you know, I'm pushing top 50 of, of one, the grand prize previously several years ago, as you can tell, I've been playing the game for a long time. <laughs> I've got some, some gray hairs going here, but um, I mean, I've probably been playing actually probably almost 20 years now. So um, it's been, you know, it's gone through several different providers and that kind of thing, but typically I'm, you know, I'm pushing for a league title, pushing top 100. I think this year I was uh, 190 overall, which, you know, not bad when you think about oh, 21,000 players in the game, but still it's uh, for me, it was, it was rough, but uh, I guess the saving grace, my 15 year old son, I've, I've got to give him a shout out. DraftKicks junior finished uh, top 25. I think he was 23rd somewhere in there, but um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he had a good season. It's kind of fun to see him get involved. Um, but yeah, personally, it was, it was a little bit of a letdown. Um, so I've got to bounce back next year, but, um, in general, on the MLS side, I think, um, everybody was pleased with, uh, how the season went, just all things considered, um, taking into account the resources that are available that go into the game. Um, and then just as far as the, the community involvement, it was, uh, good to see there's a big spike in numbers. I think, 2021, I want to say we had maybe 15,000 somewhere in there as far as overall uh, users playing the game. And then this season we eclipsed 21,000. And so I think a big part of that was the weekly prizes, which, you know, the top score every week got $150 MLSstore.com gift card. Uh, pretty nice little prize to play for there. And so I think that uh, we saw a lot of, you know, weekly involvement start to grow from week to week, from week one to the end of the season. Then you started seeing a lot of weekly users. And I think it was uh, a lot of that was due to that that uh, $150 prize hanging out there every week. So uh, but yeah, in general, I mean, a lot of the guys on the on the digital side um, are really pleased with with uh, the involvement, the community engagement um, and just seeing kind of how how the game grew. So it was it was in general, I would say it was a good season as far as the MLS side is concerned. Nice. That's uh, I think something else worth pointing out is this is one of the 
maybe twice in a row now, we haven't had huge changes to the game. So a lot of what people experienced this year should have been a very similar experience to what you had had last year. And it seems like in the past we've had big swings and, and changes with pricing and, and the Champions League, but this was we've had some consistency for the last couple of years. And so uh, that's great to see that maybe that's also playing into why some of the numbers are going up with that predictability. Yeah, for sure. I, we brought the double game week, the combined score back this season, which yeah. was a, a big talking point. And I was I was actually an advocate for that. I feel like every every fantasy point should count, so to speak. Um, and so we can get into some of that, too, as far as some of the games that uh, later on in the season we had to make that call. Um, I think the Columbus Charlotte game was one of those where, you know, we had it. I think it got stopped maybe 10 minutes in or something. We had to make the call to say, hey, are we going to allow this to count for fantasy or are we going to reset the the players and let people swap them in, in and out like the uh, rolling substitution, so to speak. And so, you know, that was kind of one of the things that I was involved with on my side of things and something that could could be a learning uh, experience, so to speak, just going forward for as far as next season, something that might need to be addressed uh, on the front end, maybe in the terms and conditions, that kind of thing before a decision like that is made. And so, you know, I think uh, the fantasy community is was receptive to some of the calls like that and some of the changes as far as bringing back the double game week scoring. And that's kind of, you know, that's one of the things that I, I like about the game is just that it's there's it's definitely not always going to be uh, 100% the same thing week in, week out. And that's just part that's that for me, that's part of the game. So. And I will eat eat crow or own up because I was a big proponent on the other side of the split, mostly from a uh, a diversity of teams point of view to try to put more people into the pot. But as the league has grown, that has definitely not been as much of an issue and and the scores are back. And it's I was wrong with that one. That is definitely the way people want, want the game to be. And it is still quite enjoyable. Well, while we're on that topic, I'm a huge advocate of the high, best of both scores. I just that's I love that rule, but that was kind of my rule anyway. Um, it didn't feel as bad this year. I didn't feel like everybody was getting bottlenecked into the same teams. And there were a few times where it was very small double game weeks. And it was like, and people weren't going, it's double game week. I'm taking six players regardless of what it is. It's you, you we didn't see as much loading up just because they were there. There was a lot more variance in what we had seen a couple of years ago when this was the rule back then. It just always felt very forced and railroaded into it. Maybe the matchups played into that, but it didn't feel as bad as it used to. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because we've had a break from it for a while too. But I'm not as harsh of a critic on that system as I was prior to the year starting. Christian, what about you? Your thoughts? <clears throat> I've always been a uh, on the Schuler band, Skyler bandwagon for, mm-hmm. sorry. But, all, hey, happens uh, pretty much daily. Uh, <laughs> Schuler, the double, the, the double game week, but uh, aggregate score. I love it. Um, only because I'm greedy. And also because it changes the strategy of the game, how you play the game quite a bit, actually. Uh, it makes you consider rotation a lot more. It makes you, I mean, you pick players for different reasons on a double game week with it one way as opposed to the other way. And I just prefer this way better Um, because if you have a player that sits the second game or tanks the second game, um, it's not as impactful if you're counting all, all the points. 
but if you have if you picked a player for uh, their second game matchup and they sit for that game, you just lost out on your, you know, and by that time, the player you would have picked probably already played. So it's just, it's a lot more flexible. I like it better and I hope we keep it. Blame. Yeah. I think the schedule next season is going to kind of dictate some of that um, just with the new, um, basically pretty much trying to set every game at the same time. Obviously, there will be some midweek games, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out next season um, as far as double game weeks go. Yeah, and well, the, the scheduling and the timing of how we usually play our um, our our ruse, I think, is going to get impacted quite a bit mm-hmm. by for sure the new TV deal. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, uh, but, you know, towards the end of the season here this year, we got a taste of what that was like uh, when we had like seven, eight line games dropping at once and everybody's just going nuts on Discord and just, you know, <laughs> you try to catch up, you're, you're looking at players and you're looking at Discord and all of a sudden you're a hundred messages behind, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it gets pretty busy and chaotic. So uh, expect a lot more of that. I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming. And that's just a fun quirk of, of our system with, with the rolling lockouts and, and the, the, the unlimited transfers. It's just, it, it's just a unique thing about no captain and vice captain, that kind of thing. So it, it's just a nice little fun thing. And so I, I'm perfectly happy if it becomes harder or more difficult, it's totally more, more videos we can put out explaining how it works. I know it's, it's tends to be viewed as kind of a, an advanced tactic, but it's, it's a fun little something that feels uniquely our game. Yeah, I don't know of any other fantasy game that does it. Definitely, yeah. What about you, Blaine? Overall, I thought the season was a lot better this year for one reason or another. Uh, You didn't have the runaway players on all the teams that were just racking up points consistently that you kind of set and forget. Everybody had their slumps. Heel, Vela, um, they all dropped off. We had forwards coming and going. They'd get hot for a few weeks and then drop off. I just, I really felt like the season played so much better and there was a lot less just set it and forget it type of players. Obviously, Mukhtar was right there in that list for a lot of times, but then people were still shying away from him too. So it was just, I don't know. I don't know what it was about the whole, se- the season as a whole, but it, it felt more enjoyable. It felt more competitive all the way around the scheduling helped. I honestly love the massive double game weeks compared to having four or five teams on it or six, four or six, eight teams on one week. And then the next week have another four to eight teams on a double game week and just do that for eight weeks straight. It was nice to have everybody on a double game week and then go back to a single and then do another double game week with basically everybody in there. It felt better. It felt more balanced that way. So I like that. And I'm looking forward to the schedule for next year to see what it's going to do to the game, because I think it's going to really change how we play. And I think it's going to be a a good change for just the competitiveness behind our game. So, Skylar, we are having a game next. (laughs) I guess we should open (laughs) with that. Yes, yes. I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can confirm uh, we will be having a game in 2023 um nice. and you know from from just preliminary talks and I, what i can say is that you know on the on the back end we're working on some games to 
you know, and some other ways to engage on, on match nights with this new schedule that, um, you know, I think will really be some cool, innovative ways to, to engage uh, the fancy, the games in general. So, you know, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Can't really say much more than that other than that, you know, okay. I think, yeah, I think some good things are in the works. So. Great. Well, I'm for just me, happy we're going to have a game. Uh, there we yep. go. No, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Confirmed. Two, two more years and then MLSFI hits a decade and that'll be, that'll be a fun celebration. So. All right. Um, no, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I really enjoyed the game this year. I agree with Skylar. I was a little bit below my, my normal targets as well. I think I finished just above like 250 overall, which is not, not usually where I, you shoot for. I usually shoot for at least in, in like the top 200 <coughs> or so. Um, but uh so, but good competition. I think that's what it is. there are so many times that uh, that we I see people's names in the top of the week or top of the overall. And I'm like, I know half these people. These people are in members of the Discord. These people come to the podcast. So it's awesome seeing you all doing so well. So I almost don't care where I finish. Oftentimes, when I see people who are part of the community doing so well, that's just really, uh, really fun and, and gratifying, right there. Uh, but no, I, I like the game. I like that there weren't a lot of changes to it. I think the the thoughts I do have about changes are minor, um, not not anything really, really game breaking. I think we're in a good spot. But most of all, I was really happy we got the Twitter account back this year. That was I know oh, yeah. we, we didn't hit it as heavy as we have in the past with some of the Twitter, but just having at MLS Fantasy back again as, as a Twitter presence was, I think, just very nice and very made it more approachable for, for people. I mean... I know everyone got confused that that year or so when I was using hashtag in my last fantasy <laughs> just to try to do something, uh, and it, but it was good to have to have uh, the Twitter account back. So I hope that's going to stay for next season as well, at least. And maybe yeah, that's absolutely. one of the special things in the works. No, it's I think that it's going to stay, especially just it's a good uh, good way to kind of just communicate with the MLS fantasy player base. Um, any kind of game changes and we tried to update people through that channel um you know even right down to what we mentioned with the the columbus charlotte game then we tried to keep everybody afloat as to what we were doing um on our side of the game and so you know yeah i mean at mls fantasy like that's a great gateway for people to just kind of keep up with the happenings of the the game in general and then yeah we tried to give show some love to the weekly winners. Um, there are a couple of graphics that the team made to, to draw up the, uh, the overall top team for each week. So I thought that was cool. And then, yeah, just, you know, we had you on read, I think one week doing a, a fancy Q and a, we had Ashley on, um, did a great job. Just kind of, you know, just, mm-hmm. Hey, week's going to start in an hour. Let's see your lineups or what, what kind of questions do you have? And, uh, we want to do a little bit more of that. Um, obviously, you know, kind of this year was just kind of getting back into the mix with that that Twitter handle, getting it back out there. And then, yeah, so hopefully the the goal is to just keep keep rolling with that. And then next season we might be a little bit more engaging and um, see what comes of it. Yeah, and of course we have the survey out and from people who are in Discord, or Discord, sorry, people who are in chat with us right now and some of the survey responses. Again, it seems like most of the community in, enjoyed the game. We get the comments that people like our scoring system, that people have enjoyed the, the sense of community that, that this game brings about um, and some of the, the, niche, the niche element of it. Um, that every now and then you get like third rate game. So that's okay. But it seems like overall, even people from our survey early on have enjoyed the game. So 
I think that tends to be the the general response I've seen online. So I, I hope people tuning into the show tonight weren't expecting us to be like, this is awful because I, I think just the general impression is things went smoothly and it, it was really fun. Are we going to have, is it FanDuel going to be back again next year as well, I assume? FanDuel, I don't believe has jumped into uh, into daily fantasy for MLS. They do Premier League and I'm sure they'll do some World Cup stuff. DraftKings is uh, they they run some MLS stuff, so okay. they've been they've been running daily contests uh, throughout the playoffs. So I'm sure they'll do some stuff for the the uh, conference finals and the the MLS Cup final. Um, so I'm sure they'll be back. I mean, the contests have kind of diminished a pretty good bit, uh, even to the point where I wasn't really playing too much there for <laughs> for a little while. But now that uh, now that MLS fantasy season long is over, then I've been paying a little bit more attention and and jumping into some some more of those contests. So. That'll be back. Um, I'm also getting involved a little bit more with SoRare.com, which uh, MLS recently part- partnered with this past season. I, I mean, in its essence, it's an NFT site, which you're buying and selling, buying and trading soccer cards. But there's a fancy aspect to it, too, to where you you can set lineups each week and uh, you can play in just MLS only pretty much in the American leagues or, you know, play mix MLS players with Liverpool players for a global league, which is kind of fun. Um, so I've been getting into some of that. And uh, I like, I mean, I think a lot of the the guys that play MLS fantasy would, would uh, really like it. If you really dive into it, I mean, it's definitely kind of a different uh, vibe than just season long game, but uh, I'm having fun with it. So there you go. yeah. Crypto kicks here. Yeah. Crypto kicks, <laughs> which, which actually, uh, Man, long story short, basically, so rare came up with some rule where you can't change your name, but once every three months. And so I changed my name at one point to try to communicate with somebody in a deal. <laughs> and by the time I tra- tried to change it back and they uh, got an error message saying you're only allowed to change your name once every three months. So now my name on so rare is something crazy like hi, hi, radio Mueller. Will you please add <laughs> Ariola for you see or something like that so, so yeah that's my name for the next three months oh fantastic uh we'll pause for a real quick second and just so people can hear the usual break i do but um i will pause for a second then we'll talk about our little fun segment about top fantasy players uh for the season All right, let's talk about, uh, normally this is housekeeping, we don't have any housekeeping, uh, but I thought it would be fun for just a quick second to talk about top fantasy players from this 2022 season. And and the main question that I'll let you all answer as we're talking about the players, but why should it not just be the player who scored the most points? I mean, it seems like that's the easiest, or or should it be? Like, should it not just be, oh, you get the most points, so you are the best (laughs) fantasy player i'll i'll let people have their own criteria for who they think if that's the easy one they want to go with that's fine um but blaine you'll do keepers but before we do that you wanted to also talk about newcomer of the year yeah it's always fun just to highlight some of those guys that we may have overlooked we often overlook newcomers because honestly mls is a tough league to acclimate to and summer transfers rarely just fire off And so you're kind of stuck waiting until the next season to see if you really want them. But there were some guys that if you grabbed them early, they gave you some huge points this year. And 
every time you grab somebody early like that and they go off, you get a massive advantage over your competition. Because most people are waiting to see if they're going to come into the league and do anything. And so I had two names on here. And the first one was Cucho, who started off as a sub with a goal. And then the next week, he, he was on the bench for the first leg of a double game week. And then went off for 19 points in week two of his MLS debut. That's unheard of. And I know there were people that took him. And that was a monster round for a guy that the vast majority of the community was shying away from because he didn't start the first leg of that. He had scored a goal, but nobody knew what he was going to do. And then he goes off for uh, 18 or 19 in that week. That's insane production. And I think just the way he started, I know he followed that double game week up with two threes and then two more eights. But the way he started and the way he came in, everybody just everybody who went with him early and trusted him in a, in a Columbus team that was firing really came out ahead in those few weeks. And that could be the difference in making Champions League and not. And he just slightly beats out uh, uh, Ricky Pooch for me. Um, Pooch came in and as a starter, his lowest score was a five. For a new guy and multiple double digit games in there for a new guy that was just insane run i think he was a must own by the end of the season everybody was just looking at him every week and we never hear about that from newcomers to mls there's always some knock against them but no everybody was after him i don't think we've ever seen a summer signing class take off like this in the first year so i just wanted to highlight those two well you're forgetting about your own squad there please how about Tommy and how about Agata? Those guys were money. Seriously. They Tommy up. didn't put up the fantasy points, unfortunately. But he influenced the but crap he, out of games, he didn't he? Else better. <laughs> um, but no, he actually put up a couple of deep. He had a couple of decent fantasy weeks, but I have high hopes for him next season. Um, but Agata is the guy I really want to highlight. It, it, um just well i mean i'll get to him but anyway yeah newcomer of the year i gotta uh i gotta put up there in the top maybe four five you sprung this one blaine so i didn't prep but i would probably have gone with with cucho just because of uh he quickly became one to to put into the team though i did i did captain pooch at the end of the year and that really helped me out anyone Mm -hmm. just jump off your head skylar yeah i would uh i'd probably Agree with Blaine somewhat and just say Pooge was, I mean, once he hit the league, he hit hit it running pretty hard. And kind of like Blaine was saying, I mean, a lot of times with newcomers, you kind of take a wait and see approach and just see how, just because the league affects everybody differently. It's it's rare that we see somebody come in and just really um, just go off week in, week out. Usually takes a game or two to get going. But yeah, I mean, he, he was averaging, Averaging probably close to double digits uh, every single game. So it was almost like automatic to try to include him in your lineup um, by the end of the season. So, yeah, that's – Pooge was pretty pretty easy, the, the newcomer for me. Are we uh, are we limiting this to summer signings or I first kind, year in the league? I kind of do for this because I the way I kind of phrased the question was it's those guys that come in and you can grab them on an immediate advantage – before you can really see what they do i know cam's throwing out almada and 
yeah, he put up some great fantasy numbers on an underperforming team. Facundo Torres is right there too. Put up massive numbers. But you could sit those first couple of weeks of the season when you're playing the value game and kind of see how they fit in. And you've got a whole season to really work with those guys. So even if you're hedging your bets a little bit and seeing what happens, you've still got a, the bulk of the games to pick those guys. With with Pooch, it was – she'll be home in a minute. With Pooch, it was just like you've got him for eight games. I think he played eight, started seven, and he scored double digits in over half his starts. Like you didn't have any time to really see. You just kind of had to go with your gut and take him or not and see what happens. So it, it's those type of guys. And Cam's throwing out Insigne, who was here, who started playing halfway through the season, and then Bernadeschi, who both of those guys ended up number two and number three on fantasy average for the season. Um, in those late starts when they when they actually got in and got playing. So, I mean, just some huge names that we saw this year all over the place. Uh, Petrovic was another late signing that came in and tore up the goalkeeper position as well. Yeah, I think after uh, further consideration, I'm going to have to go with Pat Noonan as uh, my fantasy <laughs> player of the year. So that, <laughs> little Homer that pick there. <laughs> all right, well, Blaine, thanks for that quick little side. Yep. Uh, but what we did prep for, goalkeepers. Who do you have as uh, your number one? So I'm going to throw it out there. You said, why don't you take the top scoring guy? Blake is the top scoring guy. And in a vacuum, Blake is your best goalkeeper of the year. But as we started discussing partway through the, through the season, Blake was actually a trap play. If you were taking Blake, you were getting somewhere between a six and a nine most weeks. And you were giving up probably Elliot or Glesnes bonus points who they were scoring a point or two higher than Blake almost every week. Once we kind of realized that, and I know some people caught on earlier than others. I was a little bit later to that. Once you realize that you realize Blake's a trap and you're actually losing points by taking Blake instead of taking another defender. So for that reason, I can't just say Blake's your best goalkeeper of the year because taking Blake was taking away one of your valuable Philly spots and with three per team you have to look somewhere else so my keeper position is split because Sean Johnson started off the season so well and if you're not taking Blake you're taking Sean Johnson for a lot of it that New York City defense was fantastic but Sean Johnson got eclipsed in the summer by Petrovich coming in for New England he almost single-handedly kept them in the playoff race as long as they were PK saves, lots of saves, a few shutouts in there. The man was just standing on his head and honestly put up some insane numbers for a goalkeeper in such a short amount of time. I'm trying to look it up around Lily. I guess he played about 20 games, uh, put up 129 points in that. Blake played all 34 games and only got 193. Petrovic's average was just shy of six and a half and for keepers that started more than 10 games he's far and away the best i mean blake's got the next best average at 5.7 so he was just outstanding for the time he was there and when he got here nobody could touch him so it's kind of a three horse race but i think blake's a trap so sean johnson carried you through the early part of the season when that defense was really hot and he was eclipsed by petrovich and if you ran with just those two 
for most of the year, you probably did really, really well in the overall. So those are my three and the reasoning why it's not just your highest scoring guy. Does anybody disagree with Blaine? I think in a vacuum, Petrovic is just the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, I don't disagree at all with the logic. Um, there are reasons why you make picks and why you pass on picks, even though you have a quality pick in that player, you might pass on them. So I don't disagree. What do you think? Yeah, for me, I, I completely agree with what Blaine was saying. And that was a struggle, honestly, doing the rankings um, week in, week out. Then, And I, I tried to allude to it, but um, with the, you know, max three player per team rule, then, yeah, it got to the point where Philly defense was just so good. I mean, Kai Wagner was pretty much a lock. And then, like you said, I mean, you want one of at least uh, Glessness or Jack Elliott and then Gazdag. Like, there's four players right there. And then, you know, maybe they've got a, a nice matchup on the attacking end that you want a guy like Carranza. So, yeah, I mean, you can see where real quick then you can max out your Philly players in the field. And then, I mean – Yes, Andre Blake is, of course, going to be the number one goalkeeper and the the best defense in the league. Um, that's that's kind of automatic. So I'd have to rank him number one. Um, but I would try to say, hey, you know, he's number one. But look at some of these value guys down here because you're also going to want to max out your Philly field players. And that's where I ultimately fall. Blake is clearly the best keeper in the game. He he blows away with his total points. I mean, keepers are usually much closer than what we saw with Blake. It's about 30 or 30 plus points between he and number two. Uh, but for me, I'm going to give MVP to the number two player because of the, the price point being easier to work into your team and freeing you up for those Philly players, which should return you more bonus points. And so I'm going to give MVP to Zach McMath. Um, you, yeah, pretty decent pick. Yeah, he he was up there. Great value most of the season. Even not getting the same kind of clean sheet numbers, he was still pushing up there. Uh, solid number two. I think he tied for, for second overall uh, with, with goalkeepers. So I'm going to give it to McMath because of the freedom he allowed you to have for the Philly players. But I mean, not only like, that, he really brought it this year in yeah. terms of his game. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I remember a couple of years ago, we were all saying Zach McMath is like done. Like he sucks. He's terrible. And geez, it's amazing how some players have really turned it around, especially this year. There were like a bunch of them that like Carranza, you know, he didn't do anything for years. Like what? Two years in Miami didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden whammo, mm -hmm. you know, um, anyway, I don't want to hijack. I, I gotta say, I love Zach McMath getting credit when he's due. He definitely earned it this year. That yeah. guy has had probably the worst luck in MLS. <laughs> was He was anchoring uh, best defense in the league, Colorado, that signed Tim Howard and relegated him to the bench and ended up trading him. And Tim Howard took the best defense in the league and made it worse. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just the, that's just the fact of it. Zach McBath has been on a lot of teams, started really well for a lot of teams, and they always pass him up for somebody a little bit flashier who is not as good. Yeah, so I want to I want to make one start. point. I want to make one point though about goalkeepers before we move on. Uh, I was watching an interview with Jim Curtin 
And apparently Philadelphia ranks goalkeeper as the most influential player on the field over the course of a season, period. Like, it's not even a contest, he said. So, I mean, they're doing something right over there. I mean, like, as much as, as much crap as they're getting in the press. And, I mean, I've, I've always rated them. And, like, that, that really actually brought, like, my thinking. It, it gave me validation as to how I felt about Blake and, and that defense. Um, also, I also wanted to say that um, – uh, Cam said uh, Celentano is worthy of mention for uh, that discussion, the keeper discussion, uh, just because he was a really good double game week yeah. through bench player. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot coming out not expecting to be the starting keeper as well. No, absolutely. He, he did very well this year. Very pleased with that. I'm going to take over for defenders uh, for, for Nathaniel and I am going to pick the number one player. I think absolutely with this situation, it, it has to be Kai Wagner for, for the MVP with bonus point production, with goal threat and, and set plays. He was one of the few, I think, true set forget players this year. And I, I don't think we, you have a better MVP option for, for defenders than, than him. So I'm going to, I guess, maybe take the cop out, but I think in this situation, it's absolutely the number one point player is, is uh, Wagner. Any other thoughts on Here. defender? Who disagrees? Collins. The Tiago. discussion is number sure. two. Who's number yeah. two? That's up for debate. Totally. And Christian hit the name, hit the right name right there. It's, it's Collins for New York City. His average is astounding. He took a little bit of an injury and missed a few games. But when he was healthy, he was your clear number two and basically a set and forget while healthy. He was an offensive threat. He scored goals. He was on a great defense, picking up bonus points. Maybe when he got moved to a left back, he dropped off just a little bit at the tail end of the season. But that was you know. crazy. <laughs> Maybe you could his price point, I, I think, makes makes Glessness be a legitimate conversation for number two totally. just because like i mean elliot i think is, is just too too much his his price is too much yeah. for the for the points he ended up actually returning but uh blessings was actually ended up ended up being cheaper martinez mm-hmm. and hedges uh were decent um so we're um now the real steal here i mean he got pricey towards the end uh brody out in rsl sure. coming in Fifth in points, he was a little bit cheaper all the way around. He even ended the season at 10.3, which is $2 million lower than the guys ahead of him. Um, just quietly putting up a solid offensive year with the solid defense that RSL had. I mean, with McMath being second keeper on the list, you know RSL had to be doing something right on defense to have a few guys up here, and Brody just kind of quietly soared out there. Brody Falls, Skyler. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, Brody was definitely a big surprise uh, contributing on both ends. I think you said it, Reed. I mean, Kai Wagner is easily the the number one. And then, yeah, after that, it just kind of piecing in some, some guys that have done well for you along the way. Like, it's hard to avoid the Philly guys, even though, you know, it seems like a little bit of a cop-out. But, yeah, Elliot and Glessness were huge. Um, I think for me, one of the big takeaways is just like who didn't produce like I was expecting to. It's like the the uh, 
Julian Gressel, the Walker Zimmermans. Like I was big on those guys. They obviously were like Gressel was playing somewhat out of position, but he's designated as a defender. That seemed like fantasy gold to start the season. Um, maybe if he played the full year in Vancouver, I think it it, it could have been like once we once he yeah. uh, made that move, then I think we started to see kind of his potential um, from a fancy standpoint. I mean, a, a guy that can score goals and add assists and then get a clean sheet. And then, you know, once the stars align, when, when both those hit, then um, you're talking some big scores. So that was a little bit of a letdown for me. And then Zimmerman, of course, a uh, little bit of a Nashville fan, I guess, over here. So, um, you know, other than just being a fan, then he was a fancy, uh, he's been a, fan, a fancy points machine the past couple of seasons. And so I think this year was a little bit of a step back for him. Um, still think he's going to be useful though, going forward. So we'll see. We shall see. And I will add just an interesting, fun little stat. If you are sorting the players by just over every player, the, and total points, there are three defenders in the top 10 and they are all from Philadelphia. So, mm-hmm. Oh, so there's like, of guys who played the full season, three of the top five are Philly players. <laughs> and Reed, I know you commented on it in chat, and we've been talking newcomers. Um, you start looking at their averages, and Wagner, Callens, and Elliott had monster averages all year long. But as we talk about newcomers and looking forward to next year, Miazga actually had a 6.63 average when he played i mean cincinnati's got some sleeper picks over there and if miazga can replicate that for a season he's going to be in that top five category again next year so don't sleep on him to start the season next year oh no skyler will price him at like 10 million and everyone will have to take that consideration (laughs) it won't matter when he gives us 150 to start with that's fine all right well we're going to now hey we can talk about that <laughs> we can, we'll see we'll uh we'll now put uh skylar's rankings to the test and move on to midfielders which is, is always a tough position i don't know about this season i think it's another one that uh honey mukhtar is pretty easily one of the best midfielders i mean he had he had the overall top score for midfielders by far um he definitely had some weeks that you kind of had to just struggle through with him where he'd put up three or four points, but you also didn't want to miss out on the weeks where he was pushing 20, you know, 17, 19 points, and then combine that with some of those big double game weeks and kind of a guy that you pretty much just had to ride with all season, regardless of those, those three or four point weeks. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, like you, like with Wagner, like who, after that, then who was some of the fancy gold that you got something out of? I think for me, um, Reed might like this pick. Uh, Lucho Acosta was huge for me. Like I rode with him a lot of the season, yeah. especially on double game weeks. He came through with some huge DGW points for me. And uh, just one of those guys, like, you know, I felt like I could throw him in even, even if he didn't get me uh, a goal or an assist. And I felt pretty good about hitting five, six points just uh, from his, his normal output. So, um, yeah, I mean, Mukhtar and, and Lucho were two of the, the main guys for me all season long. But you guys, is this another conversation where we're really talking more about number two? Do you agree with Mukhtar? 
Yeah, definitely talking about number two. Mukhtar was just hands down or lights out this year. I mean, 20 points over number two, 30 points over number three, it looks like. Um, Gazdag was, I think, the biggest surprise for me. And even halfway through the season, he was putting up great numbers. And everybody was like, oh, it's Billy. They don't have it. Is he going to really be that guy? I mean, he kept it up through the season and ended up number two in points for all of mid or for all midfielders. That's an outstanding number. His average is a little bit lower than a few other guys like Lucho, who missed a few games, like Heal, who missed a couple of games. It's just it's one of those things. He was just so lights out on a team, and you could kind of predict some of the games where you didn't want to look at Philly, but when Philly started hitting those five goal romps pretty consistently, Gazdag was money, and you just you had to have him through that time, and so he's just one of those crazy ones that I think everybody was sleeping on. We were all talking about Heel and Mukhtar and Driussi and even Reynoso, who's right in there. Costa was another one we were talking about. Gazdag was one of those guys that we let fly under the radar a little bit. So if you relied on him all season, you probably won the differential battle against a lot of your competition around you in the standings. And I think that that's the main argument for why he could push for MVP because, and because while most people probably had Mukhtar in their team the majority of the weeks borderline i mean just a, a lock automatically um mm-hmm. as as gene shared in chat less than eight percent ownership for gas tag and so your Mukhtar points probably canceled out and so with the kind of production gas tag put up i think that's a a pretty solid argument for why you could consider him fantasy mvp just because he was going to be that differential like you guys had, had mentioned week in and week out that could give you that that extra advantage over your head-to-heads, uh, but but the quick association with that, since you mentioned Heal, even coming in number three overall with midfielders, I will I would probably say at least for me, Heal was my maybe most disappointing midfielder um, just of the season, just based on what he had done in the past, and I know situations around that, but I think a lot of us that always Captain Heal went away pretty quick at the beginning of this season. I think I have a bigger disappointment. Go for it. it. Guess. Reynoso? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's like a homer disappointment. It totally is. It's like insult to injury. Yeah. <laughs> um I could see that heel just because that team was supposed to be so much better than it was. Yeah. Was, I don't know if I want to take the shot at Bruce Serena, but that team was horribly mismanaged and put in a bad situation. Um with the Minnesota team. Reynoso's can only his ceiling is limited by the team around him. And as much as I like those guys out there, Fragapane is c- incredibly inconsistent. And Amaria is not a uh, number nine that you really want leading your team in MLS. So Reynoso's assist numbers are going to be limited because of the guys he's playing with. And that's just part of it. And so he takes a knock because of that. And I think that's a little more predictable than he'll just falling off well i mean this is this minnesota team is arguably the best most talented team they've ever put on the pitch so not sure i buy that reynoso seemed to be like more into arguing with the referee this year than actually playing football so i don't know i I see your point, but I, I just, I did not see Reynoso 
bringing it like he used to bring it, you know, like he didn't, he didn't take chances that he could have taken like so many times he had, he could have just beat a guy I, off the dribble and, and, and shot and he just did it. I, I almost said it earlier. Um, uh, Pooch for LA as a, such a solid newcomer. Yeah. Uh, he reminds me of Reynoso when Reynoso. Totally. Him. Totally. And he could go one of two ways. He's either because I when Reynoso joined, he played that partial season. I had him as an early, as next season preseason MVP pick. Yeah, because well, he's he definitely good. definitely got the talent to do that. Reynoso is so, definitely MVP material. He's always twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Offseason, yeah. fun time. All yeah, right. I'll well, throw on I'll throw on one real quick uh, midfield letdown just for Blaine. Gotta be Johnny Russell. I mean, oh. coming off of coming off of some of his uh fantasy output. I, I it was such a letdown this season. I call shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, I he that. still produced here and there, but no, fantasy no, no. wise was awful. That's, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, it it is, but I call shenanigans and I blame that on you, and I have it for later on. Johnny Russell is a forward. <laughs> uh, there we Wingers go. in a four-three-three or forward. Excuses, not those See, are, those there was excuses. a reason that I yeah, there was a reason that I worked Johnny Russell in the conversation. There we go. Well, let's talk about forwards now. Christian, who do you have for uh, MVP forwards? Fantasy MVP. Too, too many on my list. Um wow, I mean you could take your pick, really. Uh Vasquez has the most points, but you know what? I would pick Brenner over Vasquez if I was picking a picking a Cincy player uh forward. Um, Insigne, Bernadeschi, um, Insigne lights out. I mean, the guy's talented as hell, but Bernadeschi, I think, like, outperformed him for fantasy, I think. I'm not looking at the stats, but, um, Jesus Ferreira has got to be a part of the conversation. He had a lights out year this year. Um, gosh, you know, I was, I was going to talk about Ua and Carranza and how, Explosive those guys were and those like lopsided wins. It was just fun to watch. Uh Rubio. I hate Diego Rubio. I hate him. But damn, he's like what the second or third best forward in fantasy this year? Third. Third. Mm-hmm. So um other other picks would be like Toddy and and Buxa. Those guys, had they not left, they would have seriously topped the and and had they stayed healthy, they would have seriously probably set some fantasy records. Both of them. Yeah, I think I think you're right with with the Cincinnati pick that, that Brenner probably had the the bigger fantasy impact just because of he played like a number ten. Yeah, and and, and the late element to the game. Um, but like Gene was saying in chat as well, probably had Vasquez more often in the team because his his price point came in at lower, so he got he got overall. Uh, but I think that's fair enough to have him be number one. I'm just happy for Skyler that that Brenner was finally living up to that 9.0 price point that that uh, he tagged him with when he first joined the league. Yeah, it's a, it's. A, oh, you're muted. Oh, he's still. Sorry, muted. guys. Yeah, I, I I was saying it's finally coming full circle, so <laughs> it's good to see. I finished 10.9, so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. My fa- my forward. It's kind of a two horse race here, and I'll take one a page out of Reed's book. It's like. Brenner just so solid for what he did and where he finished up. And you look at the goals scored on the season, Brenner's points are a lot higher than his standing on the goals list. 
Um, but for that same reason, I think Rubio might have been one of the best fantasy forwards for the season because he ended up with, what, 16 goals compared to 18 for the guys ahead of him. He had a few less goals. That means he's getting a lot more from bonus points. And as Reed always says, your yep, bonus yep. point producing forwards are gold in fantasy. It's true. Got, Reno, yeah. Yeah. When you've got guys that are falling down the goal list, but still putting up fantasy points comparable to everybody else, you kind of have to look at where they get in their points. And Rubio's third, he's behind on goals a little bit, but he's, it's just, it's right there, and his average among all forwards that started all season is the best. I mean, of your 25-plus game forwards, his average is the best, and he, Ferreira, and Vasquez are the only ones that broke six. Well, Brenner broke six as well, I guess, just barely. So those are your four guys that broke six points a game average, and Rubio got a ton of his through bonus points. Brenner's probably in that same category. It's so hard to separate those two. I just I look at Vasquez and Brenner, and it was Vasquez early, it was Brenner late, and the other one dropped off. So you couldn't rely on them week in and week out. If I had to pick one guy every week looking back on the season, it's probably Rubio. That's fair. Very, very fair, fair right there. <laughs> you hate it, but that's that's what it is. The stats are well, that's that's right why there. I had a San Jose type of season. True. The Skylers. Actually, I think I beat you. You probably did. Oh, snap. Shots fired. <laughs> uh, of course, <laughs> Rubio was number three, but the number four forward overall is someone who I think you've got to actually weigh in on, Blaine, with your season-long position. Yes. Yes. I I worked up a whole lot of stats today in preparation for tonight's wow. show. Um, I, I guess I'd say as president of the Nevervella fan club or whatever, whatever you want to call it, no, I, I like ran that. down all the numbers. I pulled every game week score they had. I didn't do it by game. I did it by game week because that's the only fair way to do it. Um, and I wanted to see head to head how they matched up. Vela's obviously got the better average on the season. Uh, 6.6 compared to Arango 6.14. It's I went with him and Arango because they were the guys there. Both of them had six games where they didn't start or play. I think I think Arango played in every game. He just didn't start in six of them. Vela missed two full games and didn't start in four. I went by who there who scored the most each week. Arango had 14 games where he scored more points than Vela. Vela had 13. They had twice where they tied. And then I started looking at things, and I wanted to give a definitive answer to the end of the season and what I saw. And I figured out where the Never Vela train needs to go next year. Um, Sometimes Vela. Double game week Vela. Ah. That's it. DGWV. DG Vela. Take out the double game weeks that they had. There was five of them. Arango outscored Vela in single game weeks, 103 to 82. It's something like that, or that's in the games that they both played. Sorry. When they both played on, when they're both on the field. Cause like, if you're going to take an LAFC player, you're going to take whichever one starts. And if the other one's not there, you go with the other one. If you really want that game, right. That's just a fair assumption to make. If you're picking head to head between the two, Arango outscored Vela when they both started outside of double game weeks. 
And I just think that speaks to how these two play and how this team is there. And I would further back that up with the way we play a ruse in this game. If you're going to take a forward like that, you're going to probably play him in an Aru. And if you're going to Aru a forward, you're going to take the guy that's more, that's got the higher ceiling, and that's Aranga for me. So I will back off on my Never Vela a little bit. When it comes to double game weeks, he's still king. But on single game weeks in Aru's, it's Never Vela. He's just, he's got too many smaller scores. And I just, I can't trust him enough to do that. Did you like figure? It. Did you figure in the um, the number of times Vela screwed us over totally? Uh, <laughs> no, and that's that's <laughs> part of, that's part of what goes into that decision is, um, what is it? I like I said, Arango outscores Vela when you take the double game weeks out of it, one thirty two to one twenty six on the full season. Um, Arango at, only has five games where he scored one or two points. Vela had six. Arango didn't start five of those games. So if we take out what 34 games season, so 29 games played right there. Arango didn't or scored one or two in five of those, but he didn't start five of those games. So in 24 starts, he had five games where he didn't score one or two. Vela had six in 27 starts, where he only scored a one or a two. <laughs> like it, it's that type of number. Like I ran through everything. He it ran was... through everything to get to at the end, as Skylar said. DGWV. That's yep. what it is. DGWV. Next year, Blaine will put it to the test. DGWV. That's always one of the toughest calls for me when I'm when I'm putting my forward rankings together. Like trying to decide between Vela or Arango, who should be, you know, if it should be a one or two type of week where it's easily going to be an LAFC forward. I mean, sometimes it comes down to um potential set piece production. You know, a, a lot of times Vela is the guy that's on set pieces, corner kicks. One week, I think I actually gave Vela the nod thinking that he was on penalty kicks. And then of course, Chicho takes the PK that, that <laughs> game week. And so, yeah, I mean, for anybody that's just like, why are you ranking this guy ahead of the other? Then a lot of times it does come down to, you know, is, is this guy on corner kicks? Is he on free kicks? Is he on penalty kicks? Um, any, any additional ways to earn fantasy points. And that's usually what might bump somebody up over the other person in, in a rankings format. Yeah. And I want to, I want to say like, I did this for the memes. It was fun to take a stand <laughs> and really play it up this year. But I do think it's an interesting talking point for how you weigh one player versus another. And if you get burned by somebody and you don't go back to them, like I had to go through and justify, like, did I make the right call going with, Arango over Vela every time I wanted LAFC. And it did burn me a couple of times, especially that one double game week in week 27, where Vela got 21 points and Arango got two. And he played both <laughs> games in that two. Like it, this wasn't, he missed a game. He played both. He got a zero and a two in two games. And Vela got a nine. I remember. Yeah. I think we all do. I think, like, I think we all rode, rode that train that week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a rough one. And so it, I look at those, I'm like, okay, so that's the week. But while Arango didn't start a lot to begin the season, he was on the bench for quite a bit of that. After he came back, he was so much better than Vela. He had more more high-scoring weeks. It's just, it was everything with it. So it's it's a big exercise in how do you pick the right players and how do you view things and 
boom or bust versus consistency. And I just think it's a fun thought exercise to have between these guys. Not that I was totally right. I wasn't totally wrong either. It's just, it's fun to, it's fun to have and kind of really see how we go through picking players, not just for the memes, but because it's, because there is thought process to it and see how you compare two guys on the same team in the same position who are both capable of putting up double digit scores every week. And you can't take them both all the time. That's also very Blaine. I think is I, I wasn't wrong. I wasn't, but I wasn't wrong. I think that's, that's the thing to end on with, <laughs> with uh, the DGWB hey. next year. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, I hope you all had some fun t- talking about MVPs. Really, at the end of the day, it just comes down to if you had these guys and they did well, they were great. If you had them, if you did not have them, they did not do well, you don't care. So there you go. That's what it had at the end of the day. <laughs> fun little aside. But now let's talk about what I know a lot of people really came here for or what a lot of people will just fast forward to. And that's improvements for 2023. Okay. Now that we know that there will be a 2023 game, Let's talk about what we hope to see in 2023. I'm going to start just because it's pretty mostly cosmetic for me. This was a change that that I mentioned last season. And it just takes me back to like early, early in my fantasy career, like 2013, 2014 um, fantasy games when we still had a, a dashboard for when you log into the game, you got this nice little dashboard and it sort of told you here were the, the best top scoring players. Here are some of the top performing leagues. Just a, a nice little collection for, for players to see when they first got into the game. Uh, instead of just your player roster, give you just a quick little overview so you could help maybe find a new league that you wanted to have, or you saw what the captain stats looked like to see where maybe where you fell. And uh, I know that's probably a provider specific sort of thing, but I, I really think that would be uh, a fun little addition and uh, maybe a community building tool for me is where people start seeing some popular leagues or things pop up that might be able to identify other groups or communities that they want to get involved with. Uh, and then the other thought I have is if there's any way now to help develop the um, the individual, the personal leagues that people create, the few more you know, like commissioner type options for how you manage your league, I think that would be cool since I know that, and that may be personal too, since we're doing more of our little pro rail league now, but just a few options to to just be able to uh, how you interact with the players, how you can adjust your your game, how you can if you can if you identify those zombie teams that kick them out or make some of the changes that might be too hard, but just just a bit more of that sort of commissioner esque uh, ability if you can have with your teams. I think that would be fun for some of the the personal leagues that that people end up creating, but. No huge changes from me. Again, mostly kind of cosmetic because I, I think a lot of it really worked very well. Well, here, and we will after after we talk about our personal things. We did have some feedback questions. We'll touch on some of those and get people's thoughts on those specific things too. So, uh, Skylar, what are you? I know you you kind of know what's going to happen, but just your your personal things. Like, what were some changes? Just would be on top of your list of what you'd love to see uh, the direction the game goes. I mean, I, I don't know too much yet. Just other than just <laughs> like I said, the season is just freshly ended, and we're we we've kind of hit on a few things. What will you pitch? Um, yeah, no, just talking to some of the guys on the digital side, like like I mentioned, just with a new um, the new schedule, the new deal in place with Apple, then I think we'll start to see a little bit more um, engagement on that side as far as like match nights, so to speak. Then I think there's going to be um, some things that we're working on that will 
kind of be in cahoots with, with MLS fantasy on that side of things. So as far as changes to the game, personally, I mean, I just from a challenge aspect, I'd kind of like to see uh, a limit on transfers come back. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, the unlimited transfers is fun. I like I like uh, being able to change it every week. I almost think that that is a little bit of a, a constraint to some of the casual players, um, honestly, just because, you know, you don't have the ability to uh, jump right in and, and have and basically be on the same playing, level playing ground as somebody that's been playing the entire season, building that bankroll up. Um, that's, that's what daily fantasy is for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, I – I am kind of on the fence a a little bit, I guess you could say, because I like the, uh, I do like being able to like completely just retool your team. It's fun. I mean, let's face it. Like it's fun to be able to say, Hey, these are going to be the best players at this position, but I also like the challenge of pretty much drafting a team at the beginning of the season. Those are your guys. I mean, yeah, you have a few transfers or maybe two or three transfers you can make week in week out um, without having a penalty. I like the challenge of being able to manage a team over the course of a season. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how everybody else feels about that. But for me, then I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards getting back to, uh, to a limit on transfers. So before we move on with other ideas, I miss that old system for what it is. And I loved it. But we had major bottlenecks back in the day because you'd get to a six-team single-game week. And so you're making all your transfers or using your wild card to retool for that week and then having to branch out from there. I'm curious if the new TV deal and spreading the games out, we only had a couple of weeks where it was four six-teams playing. And so those bottlenecks seem to be going away. And I'm wondering if the new TV deal could even further get rid of those bottlenecks. I think something like that coming back would be great. But I don't agree that it's casual friendly. You miss a week or two, and now you've got guys that are way out of form, and you're only allowed a couple of transfers to try to correct it. It makes it really tough. I could honestly see the game being split into kind of what we have today as your weekly fantasy with the fixed budget you're playing for prizes and MLS is just running basically a daily fantasy type of thing with the variable, but I mean, fixed budget could do it real easy. You could do the variable budget and have it, but go back to the old game style as a marathon game. That's full season long. It's your hardcore players and really kind of break it out into two competitions. And instead of predict six and that you'd maybe do your daily fantasy where you pick 11, maybe get rid of the subs for that budget pick 11 and go that way you take away the arus you make it really casual friendly and then you go back to that old system uh two transfers a week you take a points penalty for more because that's a fun element to add to the game too you may want to pick up a third mid that you know is going to have a monster week you're willing to sacrifice two points because he's going to outscore the other guy you've got by five and so it's you interesting up... yeah it's interesting uh the, the number i i missed that system but i think for casuals what we have today is so much better yeah no and i'm not you know again i'm not saying that's going to be a for sure change and i haven't even said anything like on my side and i think that's the that's the cool thing that's probably the encouraging takeaway from me just being 
a little bit more involved um, on the MLS side of things um, is that they're the guys on the gaming team and the, the digital side of things, they are, you know, they welcome uh, feedback from the fantasy community. I mean, even to the point where some of the guys have said, like, let's have a round table before the next season and see, you know, have a group thing. Let's see what everybody thinks. And so for me, then that's, that's cool to see just that they're willing to, to listen to everybody to hear kind of like what you're saying, Blaine, um, give your feedback on, the gameplay as it is now and how it could be. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they're, I think on that side of things and everybody's willing to and, and open to listen to what kind of changes everybody wants. I get the casual comment though, because I mean, at, at the end of the year, I, I finished with a budget of 165.6 <laughs> million. So if someone came in at the fourth quarter, I mean, we kind of, we had this champions league system of, Hey, if you finish in the top 50 in this quarter, you can make it. But if you joined in that fourth quarter, to try to be like, hey, I wonder what I can do. Oh, my budget's 100 million and this person's budget's 170 million. Oh, I'm probably not I, going to. I mean, people are still good. I mean, we definitely had some teams close to 100 million that that could have done well based on the players you picked if you pick some of the definitely differential players. But I, I can see how that would be I mean, a barrier to overcome with our current system. Uh, and and I'm not opposed to limited transfers. I've lived in that system as well. Um, that's, of course, what our, our FPL players know. Um, I'd be interested in the total number, like especially when we have our bye weeks and call-ups and stuff that we had a different schedule, maybe more than two, maybe like six or something, or and maybe no carryover, just just six total, so you could at least maybe make some changes. Um, but I'd be game yeah. just to, to see how it, how it worked. Yeah, and I think for anybody that's ju- just jumping in, then it's – I mean, they have a open canvas. I mean, they're kind mm-hmm. of at an advantage compared to somebody that's already got a team set in stone. You only have a few transfers. And so especially if somebody is just jumping in that week, trying to win that $150 uh, weekly prize, then, yeah, I mean, you're basically putting out the best team probably for that given week. And I feel like you just a, a fan jumping in has a little bit more of a upper hand than somebody that's already locked in playing. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't I? go to Google and create 34 email addresses. Because <laughs> you got the security team watching out on the back on the back end for Christian trying to trying to pull one off. Well, um, I'm okay. So so my opinion on this is that um, I'm I'm open to limited transfers. There were there was there was a there was a reason we went away from that. And and it was a very good one. Um, the nature of this league is n- the consistency of lineups in this league is nowhere near like it is in the Premier League. And this is why the mm-hmm. Premier League does it that way, because you pretty much know who Tottenham's going to roll out every week. The only team in this league that's like that is possibly Philadelphia. <laughs> Everybody else is a crapshoot. So you're going to have frustrated players. You're going to have casuals that are going to get mad and leave because they're locked into these players that were great the week before. And now they're not playing Um, for no reason other than rotation or because the coach decided, you know, Um, but that brings up the same conversation too of is that then the advantage of the hardcore player? Are you forcing the casual? Well, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, is they, like, are they paying that much attention? Yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, if if it's at that at that level, then is is it really? Well, okay. So I, I view this this game, and here's why I view this game this way. I view this game as only really truly for the dedicated season long warriors, because the attrition rate, not only in this league, uh, fantasy game, but everyone in, in existence, Bundesliga, FPL, they have attrition like crazy. So it's not about that necessarily, but the the fantasy manager season long games are about the ones who are serious about getting a great rank at the end of the season. So me personally, this is, this is a multi-season slog. So I've had it in my mind when we've made major changes to the rules that, okay, I'm just happy we have a game, but that's going to set me back on honing my uh, multi-season arc, if you will. I mean, I want to take first overall. That's my goal. And I, I'm not going to get, I have less chance of getting there if we change it up majorly every year because I have to adjust my game and just to appease, you know, like people who are going to drop out halfway through anyway, you know? So that's, you know, that's my point of view as a hardcore player. Um, I do understand why you would want to appeal to a casual player. I get it 100%. And I have a solution for that. It's called marketing. Um, <laughs> so lots of smarter you guys a big than me bag, came big up bag with of that. cash behind you for that. <laughs> you can do plenty of marketing for a very little amount of money. Oh, I agree. Country. I agree. Okay. I mean, social media is it's one. about effort. Yeah. So, so I mean, t-shirts, I mean, I, like you could do anything you want just to get the name out and get it, you know, like testimonials work <laughs> that's free um you know play up you know put a put a spot on, or ask one of ask one of the announcers since like apple's doing all of this next season ask the announcers to mention the fantasy game once in a in a broadcast i hear there's a yeah, well, sports server that does some good marketing christian yeah. what's funny and it's not skylar's problem it i did this before i offered to write up two or three blurbs for the person in Skylar's position in the past that could then be emailed out to TV broadcast and stadium broadcast and say, Hey, bring these up. Like, and this was back in the day. It's like, Hey, did you know Benny Fellhaber's got one of the highest averages in the fantasy game right now? Like, yeah, something like that. I yeah. offered to write those up and give those out at one point, because it's like, you start talking about that over the loudspeaker at the stadium or on the TV broadcast. People take note, like ESPN runs a ticker at the bottom for fantasy points for football players during the NFL. It's it's just part of it. it when it's in front of you, you think about it, and it's just not in front of you in the same way. So, yeah. Well, yeah, there's well, a momentum. I mean... There's a momentum. In, I played several fantasy, uh, so- fantasy soccer leagues. Bundesliga, all about the data. Like, all about the data and the entertainment of – turning that data into a game. This is very much that way too. Um, But you hear it more in the announcers about XG. They bring up XG. They bring up, you know, like other stats that used to be obscure to the average fan. They're talking about it on a national broadcast now. Like 
get people into the data and, and performance stats. Um, and I understand not a lot of people like math, but if you can gamify it, you know, why not do it? Um, that's just, that's all I'm saying. I, I love Blaine's idea. That's, that's what I would do too. Just, just brainstorm about avenues where you could actually just bring it up and just mention it, mention it on a broadcast or mention it in an article or that's, that's widely distributed in an MLS article. Do you have a response, yeah. Skyler? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the, on the same page uh, with you guys. I've had some pretty wild ideas um, on my own end. I mean, I think even at one point a few years ago, I was saying there should be a fantasy street team, like, at the beginning yeah. of the season for every single team, just, you know, a few people out there with a, you know, you see people with, out there with an iPad out, out at the stadium, Hey, sign up for fantasy. You could win 10,000, whatever, like win a Jersey or something, so, um, give out. Yeah. Just so I've had some, some ideas on that front. And I, I would say too, to, to Blaine's point, like, yeah, I've actually mentioned some of those same ideas as far as <laughs> trying to get some exposure in stadium, and I have, you know, being in attendance, I have seen some, like along the running boards, like MLS fantasy graphics running along there, but mm -hmm. I can't promise anything as far as any uh, in-game announcements, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've pushed for stuff um, as far as it coming into fruition, like some stuff does and some stuff doesn't. But I think kind of back to what I was saying as far as uh, with a new Apple deal, I mean, I think that there's definitely some, some big possibilities there as far as um, incorporating fancy aspects into broadcasts and that kind of thing. I think we'll start to see a little bit more. Um, we got to start to think about a little bit more about how fancy should look in the next year or two and how all that intertwines, I think is, uh, is going to be fun to see how it plays out. Well, Christian, what other thoughts do you have about uh, your general feedback for improvements for 2023? Um, well, I'm a, as some of you know, I'm a data guy and I'm uh, pretty much a, I'm a software developer and database engineer. So I'm, all my comments are, are centered around that. <laughs> um, uh, but except for the first one, I really think that we need to make an effort to reward players in this fantasy game somehow that's legal if they win We've, we've got a guy who, who won MLS fantasy this year who doesn't live in the United States or Canada, and he deserves recognition and prizes, in my opinion. And a lot of people feel that way, but he's not going to get them because he doesn't qualify. So I think that if we sign, if we allow these people to sign up and play, which is what we want, I mean, seriously, um, then they should be eligible. That's my first bit of feedback. Um, and I understand there's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo involved there, but we can still probably make something happen realistically about this. Um, uh, now to the data stuff, I think that, that the, um, so MLS just invested in a lot of money in their uh, stats site that's that that's not tied to the game um and i think the plan was originally to move uh the stats piece of it the back end of the game to use those off the base stats i imagine that that was kind of bandied around 
Um, but I'm saying this because I would like to have an open API of some kind, like there used to be back when, uh, before we switched vendors to uh, um, uh, fan, uh, fan uh, and so that we can actually do things to grow this community, like create a fan site, um, like create an advanced stats site that has focused numbers based on the game itself and performance in that game. Um, also, I, I totally, totally think we need to have historical data uh, like what Premier League does. They have all of your past years and performance, uh, you know, for each of your the years that you've played. Uh, all that's readily available right there in the game. Um, another bit of feedback is get please, please, please get rid of Gigya authentication. The thing that thing has nerfed so many fantasy players this year because it it went down a bunch of times and people couldn't get into their account. Um, I think you should frankly just if I mean you have the option of having a like an email password based uh, authentication, I think you should just let them have that and you know forget about login from Facebook, Google, unless you can roll it out more more uh, reliably. And the last thing is probably um, something I think everyone will appreciate is better filters on on the actual pick page on your actual team management page. You know the drop down filters. Um, every every uh, point generating stat. Yeah, every point generating stat you need to be able to sort by uh, in a couple different ways, hopefully um, meaningful ways. Uh, over the years, FPL has done this. Bundesliga hasn't, but um, I mean, Bundesliga is about the same quality, and I really like that game. So it's not really a deal killer because we could. I mean, if if we had the open API, we could turn to other fa fantasy stats sites because they would be built by guys like me. <laughs> um, and we used to have it. We used to be able to. Yeah. We used to have more filters. Yeah, we did. More, so, more stats. So that's my feedback. I mean, like, I know I just asked the impossible, so please forgive me. It's not a reflection on you, Skylar. It's just, you know, the way it is. So no, like I said, I mean, um, the guys on, on the MLS side are willing to listen to that feedback, and it could be something that a couple months down the road, you know, early next season or before next season we – some of you guys, Christian, I mean, Blaine, Reed, mm -hmm. Ashley, just get a uh, handful of the MLS community or MLS fantasy community together and talk to some of the, the guys at MLS and say, this is what we want. And, you know, obviously everything's not going to happen. Like everybody's got their own ideas, how right. it should look, um, what the best platform would look like. It's everybody's not going to be happy end of the day, but at least, you know, you've got, uh, kind of an open platform to, to voice your opinion and stuff. So I think that that would be uh, something that you just keep those ideas fresh and, you know, you might be able to. I'd, I'd postpone a wedding for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have my number. <laughs> yeah. Because now it's on that idea. I'd be totally open to that. And I know we've got some people in discord that are really in tune with what the community's looking at. 
I mean, I had a question in here. Did you know if you click on a player, if you get drilled down in the fantasy game to a player so you can see their game log stats, did you know you can scroll sideways in there? Yes, yes. Everybody Not everybody does. Not everybody does because the button is white with no border, no symbol on it. It is a white button on the side. That's because you're using Internet Explorer from 2001. <laughs> no, I'm on Chrome. <laughs> I'm in Chrome seeing this. But yeah, um, like it, it's that nonetheless brought to you by Safari now. The right. <laughs> you can't you can't see those, and then you've got your top point generating stats. Okay, everybody's looking at goals, assists, penalties, whatever. Clean sheets is on that front, but like defenders should be short sorted by clean sheets in that first column, like goals is for forward, and then all your defensive bonus point stats right after that. So they're on that one where you don't have to scroll sideways. It's stuff like that that could really just take the take what's already there without much and just display it a little differently. Um, uh, and on that, I don't think, I don't like percentage ownership. I think that's another one of those, like we're getting into nitty gritty now because I think mm. the game is really in a good spot. Like per, instead of percentage ownership, I would rather see a change in percentage ownership because you can work with that better, even with zombie teams, which I know has been talked about. If we don't remove zombie teams, if we just leave them there, because some people want to set it and forget it. And if they win a week, they win a week, whatever. Yeah, and they're um, not all dead teams either. They're not all dead teams yeah. either. But it's like so like okay. a percentage added added this week or something. Yeah, like, or what that would be useful. Percentages. If twenty yeah. percent of teams start next year with Mukhtar in their team, great. We could we have that as a baseline. If the, he has a good week and the next week he's up to twenty three, okay, just display a plus three percent ownership. If he goes, if he dips down to 10, minus 10% ownership this week, just whatever the difference is between last week and this week, it gives you the trend of what's going on your current week. That's, it doesn't matter if that's it, what, if that's it, what we're looking for anyway. Yeah. You know, when we're looking at ownership. Yeah. We just want to see, like, if you could do transfers in and transfers out, that's great, but that's probably too hard. Just you're changing your percentage ownership. If it spikes really high, you know, people are looking at them. If it drops off, you know, people are moving away. It, it's an easy one like that. And then I have two more game-changing ideas, but wingers wingers in a 4-3-3 or forward, just period. Johnny Russell's a forward. He's always been a forward. He saw a lot less play this year because he was moved to a midfielder. Your, your wingers in a 4-3-3 don't score enough bonus points, don't perform well enough regularly to make it into teams. One of your one of your better wingers this year, young guy, uh, Etienne Jr. in Columbus, couldn't crack into most rosters because he just he didn't score enough points. He, they just they don't in that type of system, and so they're better off. They'll see more play if you put them in as forwards. Plus, then it gives you some bonus point producing forwards, where. Some weeks you're looking at it, Kansas City is a good example. Johnny Russell would have fared a lot better with the bonus points as a forward on bad weeks, while Willie Agata came in and just started crushing it on the goals. Now you've got a real choice. Do you think is really going to score? Or do you think Johnny Russell is just going to pick up those bonus points and give you a better floor compared to a ceiling? It gives you that whole thing. And my final one is another one that Reed's usually harping on is I hate the budget system. I really do. I hate the budget at the beginning of the year. You're playing nothing but take low value guys and try to spike your value as quickly as possible. Because if Vela starts at 10 million and puts up a two, he's going to drop five or half a million in your, in your value. 
if you grab a guy who starts off at seven million and puts up five points, he's going to go up that half a million, and you come out ahead for taking the weaker player who has it. It's just playing the budget game sucks. We get these crazy inflated budgets. I think the system was there on the previous one, and maybe the new team has to come up with something a little different because it was proprietary, but it should be points over the average at your position. That's what it used to be. If all midfielders across the game average five points, if you want to see a budget increase, you've got to score seven, eight, ten points and beat them out. If you score four or five, you're not going to take a knock. Your historical data doesn't matter. It's all about where you're at and how you did this week versus your position. Your top 20%, 10% get half a million increase. Your next 20, 30% get 400,000. And just on down until you don't get it, whatever you need to break it up as, something like that where it's compared to who you're playing or how your position is doing, not how your historical points are and whatever your supposed output should be compared to your budget price because it just it's really weird it gives these inflated budgets and personally there becomes a lot there there's a lot less skill when everybody's got 140 150 million dollars there were only two times i think on the back end of the season where i actually maxed out my budget taking the guys i wanted and that's not skill that's just daily fantasy again I think you can get back to some of the skill-based game if you lower what our full budget is at the end of the season. And the only way to do that is to rein in how quickly budgets can rise. Wait, did I harp? I don't know. That, that is definitely my preferred. That was my favorite price change system when it was based yeah. on the averages and things for a few years ago. But And I've complained about the current budget system every year it's been there because it's just it inflates too fast. It's too easy to game it. It's really unpredictable if you don't know what you're doing. And when you dive into it, it becomes so predictable early in the season. You can do whatever you want. And late in the season, it just doesn't matter anymore. You think the uh, the limited transfers would kind of stifle that a little bit and, and slow, uh, slow down some of the... No, it absolutely could. Limited transfers, I think, back in the day was no budget. Yeah, I think so, yeah, too. But I think we still I'm, have I'm, the I'm, change with transfers and transfers out, like a la EPL. Didn't we do that still? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever used it because that was just such a long time ago. I remember keeping spreadsheets of my transfers for the next six weeks to get down to a four-team crunch and make sure I got enough players in from there so I could feel yeah. the whole uh, starting 11 for that that's and probably, then branching away. That's probably the best idea for all night. Why don't we just go to a spreadsheet system? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, There's I have a, one a more, I have one more very quick... <laughs> Very, very quickly, I have one more suggestion. And this has been, I know, Reed, damn it. But we absolutely positively have to get defensive midfielders in this game. All right? Like, mm -hmm. player pool's too limited to begin with. You got to have defensive midfielders. All right? Easy way to do that is give them clean sheet points. Not as much as a defender, but more than a midfielder. So, there you have it. My last. <laughs> Alternatively, you could have a role that is uh, like a utility player where you could maybe put in some of those wingers or some of those demons or some of those players. And maybe that's just like, like a secondary bench of two players. And maybe that one is not subject to a transfer limit where you could just like you could pick two players to be utility players each week. Hey, wait, and... we're we're not we're not at the point yet where we're actually 
transfer limit is a foregone conclusion. Right? No, I'm just saying, yeah. if you, if okay. you wanted to, to do something like that, that that could be a way where you could have a limit for like your field, but they maybe have some utility players and uh -huh. maybe have a limited pool. But um, I mean, give me some Nuobido action right there. So. <laughs> All right, so those are some of our thoughts. Uh, if you Again, if you have feedback, you can hit us up on, on Twitter. You can also tell the survey, I'll post a survey again. I wanna do, to wrap everything up with just some quick, just general feedback from, from Skylar, you guys about some thoughts from the survey of the specific questions that have been asked. Uh, by far the most positive result, which the answers are usually with these surveys of, I would like to see this change. This change would not impact my interest in the game, or I would not like to see this change. The only question where everybody answered either, I would like it, or if you did it, it wouldn't change, was having an indicator for card accumulation. So someone getting close to a yellow card accumulation, if there was some mm -hmm. way to have an indicator about that, that seems to be a very positive community um, thought right now. And I know Mike, bless his soul, and some of the hard work he did with injury <laughs> news. And, and that that is something that we do struggle with sometimes. Um, but I think that would definitely be a very positive feedback from community. Um, but would you all, does anybody disagree who's on the show tonight about that? No, I, I like that thought for sure. I think it's something that could be integrated. Um, of course, there are a lot of things I think should be automated on that side of things that aren't. Um, players being added to the game once they make an appearance for one. <laughs> um, I think that should be an automatic um, thing that the game has in place, which just isn't quite there yet. But, yeah, I mean, the the card thing is an absolute, I think, as far as uh, especially some of the hardcore fancy guys, like that that should be an automatic. So I like it. Yeah. Like a simple way to do that for me, just graphical, yellow cards until suspension. Yeah, and just count it down. And when good behavior comes in, you tick it up by one. You just and then yeah, but MLS doesn't always get it get it right either, though. <laughs> I mean, like your source data has to be true before you can offer that. With but it at least at least it has a it's a consideration for you. Maybe you can click on the card yeah, yeah, and it takes yeah. you to the yeah. to the page. But That's yeah, um, but yeah, something like that is, is something that that people considered. Um, we mentioned dead teams before, and and that's something people have talked about. And I didn't know if as a suggestion, if there could ever be, I mean, maybe a reaffirmation, like if your team hasn't changed for three weeks, like if, if the game's able to log, if you've made a transfer, does it send you a, a message like, hey, are you still playing? Or your team is going to go into a suspended state and it takes away maybe for some of that data, or if there's any way to help purge some of that. Um, or is that just beyond the capabilities of the game, Skylar? I wouldn't say it's beyond the capabilities. I just think that there's probably a lot involved on the the terms and conditions side. I mean, obviously, if you uh, ask somebody's team midseason, somebody could get pretty ticked off if they didn't know about it. But, you know, you'd have to address that on the front end in that kind of scenario and say, hey, you know, in the terms and conditions, it says if your team's inactive, you've earned zero or whatever, like you haven't made a transfer in, I don't know, five, six weeks and your team's going to be canceled. So budget budget reset with every FCL qualifier combo. Reset the budget back to 100 million, make it tougher on us again. Maybe it goes up by 10 million every increment, whatever. Zero blank out everybody's team and you have to pick a new team at that point. And just like that way you everybody's starting they every did FCL. That. Did fresh. we do that? 2 years budget, ago. The budget didn't reset. 
but it did like oh no had that was two... the well, that was when it was half and half when we did one half of the yeah. season yeah, yeah. everything yeah. reset yeah like 2020 you, i think we did that yeah you could keep player values the same so if you've earned three million in player value the player that stays at that three million higher or whatever but your budget um, resets and instead of starting over players keep doing work in the same system yeah but your team value total resets for the next qualifier meaning everybody starts the next qualifier on a level playing field because i know there's a strategy out there that you sacrifice the first qualifier to do nothing but build budget and then when you have a higher budget you start trying to storm in through the other three and get your qualification out of the way uh, another question it was on the survey, would people like to see a chip system like as in Fantasy Premier League? And for those of you who don't play that, the chip system with Premier League is there are three times during a year where you can activate a special what they call a chip. So like double my fantasy captain's points, give me all the points on my bench and another one that I can't think of right now. Um, it was, was that something we'd like to see in MLS? The survey is kind of split between like no's and, and yeses here, but what do you all think about having some sort of little novelty uh, special chip action system? I like it better than limited transfers. <laughs> we see what you're saying on that. Actually, that I, I like the, the chip system. I mean, I, I can see where it's uh, where MLS kind of took a stance there few years ago when I when I first became a little bit more involved on the back end of things saying hey we're not this isn't Premier League fantasy this is MLS fantasy which right. I mean you're talking like I've said we've got just over 20,000 players I don't even know what Premier League numbers are this year it's I would guarantee probably in the million oh, million. yeah in the millions and so and that's another I mean back to Christian's point like they they're able to uh award prizes throughout the world. So, I mean, that's a, an obvious draw. I mean, if you're putting your time and effort into something, I mean, for me, especially at this point, it's like, I, I, if I'm doing something that I want to win, I want to win a prize. Mm -hmm. I'm not just wasting my time. You know, of, of course it adds entertainment, um, building a fantasy team, this and that, but I want to win at the end of the day. And most people do. And so, yeah, that the allure of winning a prize, um, I think premierly, you know, that's where you get those uh, just, balloon numbers of of millions of players and so yeah initially like at the at the base of it all like mls fantasy is not premier league fantasy but all that to say like i actually do kind of think it would be fun to just incorporate some of those chips uh double triple captain whatever like um maybe even come up with a, a unique chip for mls i think would be kind of cool um something that premier league fantasy doesn't offer and uh, so, yeah, maybe differentiate a little bit that way. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to a chip system. So I have one thing to say against the chip system, and that's because MLS. I know what <laughs> was it? Qualifier two started with Tati being like a 60 point captain, a 58 point captain, something like that. Something ridiculous because he had a hat trick and whatnot. And that basically broke qualifier two. Like either you had him as your captain and were in the hunt or you weren't. Now imagine putting a, a double point captain on that week. Like you've instantly broken our game. I think if you do, it would have to be custom to what we do. And maybe it's, hey, extra 2 million budget that you can use just for this one week to fit in a couple of players you really want. 
like things that would allow you, maybe you get one that says you can have a fourth player from this team for this week only. Like those type of things where it allows you to break <laughs> roster building rules and not break scoring rules because oh, get, get a tam chip and a gam chip to do different things. Oh, that could be fun. <laughs> that could be yeah, fun. Because Can't, if you Cam do the scoring rules, something. you're gonna break something, especially when you start getting into crazy double game week shenanigans, and you're gonna have a lot of people that burn it on an Arango two point double game week captain. So they end up with six points instead of four. And other people are gonna go with some stupid Wagner double game week captain and end up with 80 points. It's the game changer factor though, Blaine. I mean, Hey, you're sitting there at number 50 overall, uh, two weeks to go. And then, Ooh, you've got, uh, you know, you you went Vela, everybody else went Arango. You've got Vela. who You said not to go with then Vela goes off for 30 points and you just, you get, you're back up there top 10. That's kind of just the the whole point of that chip. I think it's too variable though. That's where it, Eh, eh. We're not predictable enough as a league. Yeah, you never know. I uh, like the, Cam's oops all mil- midfielders chip. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> you get a DP chip, it lets you break the roster rules, and you have get Tam and Game, and just adds different amounts of extra money for that for that round. I could I could get behind that. That could be kind of fun. Uh, the last one I will end with because it's I mean yearly, and this year it's actually a little bit higher than it was last year. Uh, draft option within the game. Not no longer replace it with a draft, but sort of again, kind of like EPL has a concurrent draft ability within the game. Is that something you'd like to see? Or the second question with Skylar was is even uh, a consideration? Yeah, I think as far as it being a consideration is is to be seen. I think that that would be something that if we were to kind of um have some some fantasy minds come together and talk with some of the higher up so to speak at mls and that might be something that you know if, if people are passionate about it enough then yeah like throw that out there and say we really want to see this incorporated um me personally I, i've guess i've got my reservations as far as the involvement um i do think it would be i, I love the idea i think it'd be fun initially i just don't know i mean like he's alluded to with the um uh, teams that just fall off playing season long. I just imagine it being even more so maybe with a season long aspect. Yeah. And then you've got three or four managers playing in a, uh, you know, eight to team, eight to 10 team league with like five or six dead teams. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just thinking a little bit further ahead. I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be competitive leagues. If, if there was ever a draft league, then yeah, there would be some, some heavy hitter leagues. Uh hopefully with with some of us involved <laughs> um, but i could also see you know just from a casual aspect if you draft a team then uh, i just don't know how much traction something like that would get without we stuff like we oh. talked about earlier with the marketing with pushing yeah. the game so i'm not saying it's like completely ruled out i just think there would there would have to be a lot of um a lot of things happen to in as order hub, for it to happen as the- unless unless fan hub offers this as a solution already, I could imagine that's going to be an astronomical cost to write. Because it, it, the only thing that you're actually retaining, you're, you're getting rid of all the game logic that we currently have, not getting rid of, but layering on top of it an incredibly different set of uh, game rules. And the biggest, the biggest thing, because I've, I run the draft, I run a draft league yeah. on the side. 
I could provide a lot of rules that you could use. I think the biggest thing you would need for those, I mean, it's a database space for one and getting all that, but the waiver system is the big piece that you would have to write. That's what's not there. Scoring is well, already in the draft. The, and draft. the draft itself. <laughs> Drafting, that's not, that's not as hard. But um, yeah, writing, okay, so writing a draft and writing a waiver system, those are the two big ones. You've got the scoring, you've got everything else, you've got the roster, you've got the graphical interface if you just use what's already there. So it's not too far. My thing with draft is draft is a pod type of system, and I love it for that. I've played NFL fantasy multiple times. I've tried getting on ESPN or Yahoo and joining a random league, and you never stick with it. There's two or three guys that do. The randoms are not where you make your bank on that. That's not who you're marketing it to. You're marketing it to pods of guys that know each other, that are friends, that want to play an 8 to 10 or a 12-team league with their buddies, and they're going to stick it out each year because they're the they're the ones keeping each other accountable for playing the game. When you're playing with randos, nobody's keeping you accountable. Right. It's just, oh, I forgot to set my lineup this week. I guess I am in that league, aren't I? It's one of those things. So – it's one of those, it's a supplemental thing in my mind. I think if there is enough drive to get it going, I think it would be an incredibly beneficial thing for the fantasy game to offer. But the upfront cost of getting those few pieces that aren't there together could be more than it's worth. But I think if it was there and marketed that way, is there the only place to officially play draft fantasy because we're using Excel spreadsheets for ours, because that's what we have. It would be nice to have a system like that. And I think a lot of people would join to it. I know there was a draftmls.com or something a couple of years ago that was a third party site that actually worked pretty well. And it saw a lot of traction, but it got too costly for them to maintain. Mm -hmm. I don't think they had any real ad revenue to it, unlike the regular MLS site where you can plaster cheese its and whatever other ones on the side and still get some of your ad revenue for that. It would be very interesting, but it would return a lot of those, uh, those home leaks, which I know are a lot of fun, but uh, who knows, who knows? Uh, well, that's all that I had listed for tonight. Uh, I appreciate you guys for coming out to the show and, and talking tonight. I appreciate everyone who joined us and those who have taken the time to fill out the survey. I will be sharing that again over the next few days. Cause again, the, the more feedback that we get, we'll pass this on. As, as we know from, from Skylar, people have already said that uh, MLS is open to this. Uh, and a, and a, a one big special shout out, I, I saw at least one person who responded saying, get rid of that second assist rule. And <laughs> I am right there with you, friend, but I'm pretty sure that that uh, well, I know for a fact that Skylar and I are on the opposite sides of this war, and it will probably be carved in our tombstones as well so so that is that is not going to change anytime soon but i appreciate i appreciate that comment yeah so hey, as long as mls awards it then it's got to be a fancy stat like, <laughs> right <come> thank you <laughs> there it is uh but before we wrap up i'll see if you guys have anything to plug for this last time before we uh i guess call it put a, put a pin it for the 2022 fantasy season christian i'm gonna plug third assists oh my gosh thanks cam for that uh spoon-fed joke anyway uh the mls fantasy boss discord i'm every time i'm on here i plug this and rightly so because it's great and probably because i'm the admin anyway blame 
I want to say a big thank you to anybody who sent kind words this year. I've had a lot of feedback just in different places and a lot of banter with some of the crazy stuff like the Nevervella. It's all about the community. And so thank you to anybody who's given me some encouragement along the way. And also want to shout out, I know we're going through playoffs, but the NWSL final is this Saturday. Um, been a fun season over there too. I know we don't get to talk about it as much, but there's some craziness going on in the women's soccer world. And it is actually Portland Thorns and Kansas City Current playing in the final Saturday night. So go check that out. Those two teams have been playing really well and gone through a lot of adversity this season. Kansas City with injuries and Portland with all the stuff drama we're not really going to talk about on here, but that would be a huge thing to tune into if you've got nothing better to do on Saturday night. And Skylar. Yeah, just uh, want to obviously tell everybody out there just, hey, thanks for uh, the support this season. You guys have been awesome. I mean, you read the entire team at the uh, the MLSFI uh, crew. You guys do an amazing job just delivering what everybody wants to hear on the fantasy side of things. Um, we try to do what we can on, on – uh, the MLS side, obviously, they're not going to be featuring fantasy articles every single day of the week like we'd all hope for. But um, you guys pull up, pull the slack. So I <laughs> appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, just uh, huge thanks to everybody throughout the season that's reached out and kind of like Blaine said, just offered up any encouragement, even as far as saying, hey, um, when is this guy going to be added or this guy should be flagged? Uh, red card or engine, like just the, all of that uh, combined has been huge. It's been a big help for me. Some people are like, Hey, I, you know, hate to bug you or whatever, but it's really, it's not bugging me. It's, it's fun to see. It's good to see people getting involved and saying like, Hey, we want to see this happen on the game side of things and knowing that I can help uh, help throughout that process. Um, you know, it's, it's cool to see. So appreciate everybody out there and yeah, let's uh, let's keep this thing going and have another fun season next year. Like, yeah, I don't think I have anything else I can add to that. You guys touched on it all. Uh, Discord, thanks to everyone for the season. Uh, thanks for everyone who was a, a Patreon member. Uh, like I said, I know it's been a little bit delayed this season with, with my moving job change of getting out some of the swag, but I am working on that. So that is coming, as well as our prizes, because we are a prize league, multiple prize leagues here with gift cards. So uh, thank you so much for everyone who's a part of this community. The community does not shut down in the offseason either. So continue to head up to the Discord and chat with people. It's It's a fantastic group. And that'll be where you'll find out the first updates for 2023 as they start to trickle out. And who knows, maybe get a shot to be in a round table. I don't know. That, that seems like a good place to draw people from. Uh, but so for the last time for 2023, as always, I will tell you, good luck. Mm -hmm.